Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another hot take spicy episode of Man Buns and Jesus. I guess I suppose I should say potential hot take spicy episode. We'll see where we go. It's definitely a side quest. We don't plan this kind of stuff. We just make it up as we go. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Laborious. I'm a pastor out in Eastville, California. And the more raggedy gentleman here on the podcast this morning is Benjamin Olschlager, the esteemed reverend of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lake Orion, Michigan. I'd like what to note that about? it's afternoon for both of us at the moment. It is. It is. Good <laughs> afternoon. Buenas tardes, mis amigos. Um, so we were going to talk about something completely different today, but then Josh mentioned that he was at a pastor's conference where one of the presentations was on uh, AI in preaching. And so Josh I have one question for you today. When are the robots rising up? Why will they win? Next Tuesday. And what impact will that have on our preaching? Uh, They'll rise up next Tuesday. Uh, They'll win because they're robots and we are entirely too dependent on technology. And that'll have an impact on preaching because I won't have sermons to write anymore because we'll be conquered. And anyway. um, you don't think they had churches in the matrix? I don't know. I don't know that I saw them. I've actually, I should not admit this. Uh, I've only seen one of the matrix movies. <laughs> I don't even think it was the first one. <laughs> to be fair, they were really cool when they came out. They've lost their saying, They haven't aged so well. Yeah. yeah. I do love Keanu Reeves, though. Um, yeah. That's not what we're talking about. I am not insinuating that Keanu Reeves is a robot. Um, but I was, ben, ben mentioned, I was at a pastor's conference where one of the keynote speakers was a professor. Well, he is a professor at, well, I think he's an assistant provost, maybe. And then an he associate. He still teaches, professor. so he's a professor. Yeah, I don't, I whatever titles he has, Benjamin helped. um, A wise man. And he started off with, now for context, I was sitting in the back of the room because I'm a bad student with my friend, Bradley Wellick, who I'm shocked we haven't had on this podcast yet. And if you say, were you making snide remarks the entire time? Yes. Yes, we were. Because that is who we are. And, uh, not the entire time, but how Dr. Help started off was by providing some definitions and some clarification, which is probably beneficial uh, to you as our podcast audience as well. So here, here are some things that um, he had. First of all, he defined AI a lot more broadly than I would, because he even said, he's like, if you've ever used Google Maps, that's AI. And I was like, that's not it's a computer program. I don't know that I would define that as artificial intelligence. So he, he broke artificial intelligence into three categories. So there is generative AI. No, well, there's just artificial intelligence, I, which apparently includes anything that a computer does for you. And then there's generative AI, which is AI that is creating something. So most things that we would right now classify as artificial intelligence would probably fall under this category. Uh, You can feed it a prompt, it is gonna generate something and give it back to you. And then what people maybe picture in their heads when, when you say AI is artificial general intelligence. This is sentience. This is something that I personally believe we are not capable of ever achieving. but this is like you see in the movie Terminator where the robots rise up and conquer humanity, right? That is the kind of intelligence that this is talking about. Um, 
so it's pattern recognition versus creation versus sentience is kind of how it's broken out. And where we're going to mainly focus, I think, in this podcast is on that middle category, that generative AI. This is chat GPT. This is BARD, uh, which is Google's version. This is um, Dolly AI, which is like an art generator. Um, and ultimately, I, I got to throw this out there. All of these are their data manipulation and transformation. There's what I would say, this is not real intelligence as much as like chat GPT is a glorified search engine, ladies and gentlemen, like that it, it's really well polished. It does a really good job, but ultimately what it's doing is it's taking all of the information it has access to and doing its best to answer your question. So it's like Google, except you only get the first result and it, it pretties it up for you. That's, that's kind of, I mean, that's oversimplifying it, but that's, it's giving you what it can get on the internet. It's it's not coming up with anything new. Um, and this is a really cool take that helped kind of closed because this is a summary of his entire first session. Um, he closed and he said, what AI has done really well is it's demonstrated that humanity is more than just intelligence and rationality. Because ChatGPT has achieved those things, right? It has access to all of the information that has ever made it onto the public internet. So most of the sum of humanity's intelligence is there. And it has rationality as defined by whoever programmed it, I suppose. But we look at that and we say that is less than what a human is. So what it, what it demonstrates very clearly is we are more than just our intelligence and our, our ability for rational thought. So that was a kind of cool conclusion. Um, before I apply that to preaching, Ben, anything to throw in or comment on that? I think one of the things to kind of note here, um, all of the artificial intelligence kind of programs that we see the ones that Josh is mentioning, um, they are not without their flaws. And like we joke at the beginning of this episode about the robots rising up and conquering the world. We're nowhere close to that. Um, not as someone is using them intentionally in that way. Right? Like, the, I mean, I don't think anyone actually has the resources to do this, but someone could build an army of mechanized something that could accomplish that feat. But that's yeah, not the robots rising up and taking over. That's someone using robots to take over. They'd have to be literally like sweating gold to make that yes. happen. Yes. All um, of the richest people in the world combined probably couldn't put together the resources to accomplish that. I'm going to sidebar and then circle back. This reminds me of a book I read um i don't know like 10 years ago there was a paper published real paper published about the potential to destroy the world's internet coming through quantum computing which for those who know nothing about computers is a level of computing that is still it's it's possible it is and there are machines that can do it but if you imagine the kinds of early, early computers that existed in the like 50s and 60s that so took up the that size of an entire room. Exactly. Um, the quantum computing is in that stage. It requires basically a custom built bunker to create the ideal conditions for these things to run. Um, and we are at nowhere close to the kind of like capacity or scale that you'd need to pull this off. Uh, but somebody predicted that within the next hundred years, uh, there will be quantum computing machines that can calculate uh, and solve the like algorithms that protect our banking system within like 30 seconds. That's terrifying. To but, continue down your sidebar for just a brief second, um, I remember, a, and I don't think this is how they do it anymore, but I remember at one point a bank's advertisement was something along the lines of, 
all of our online transactions are protected by 256 bit encryption. And that's, and for a lot of people, they're like, ooh, that sounds fancy. I was in a cryptography class in undergrad and we wrote a program that on an, like it was one of those old crappy Dells that they put in classrooms and colleges. On that computer, it took us, it took our brute force software less than seven minutes to break a 256-bit encryption, okay? We were a room of undergrads being led by a grad student and we could break it in less than seven minutes on an old computer. I think sometimes we overestimate how secure these systems actually are. Now, granted, That's you can't brute force them because if, yeah. you, if you do it in the way we did it, there's the system flags and says, hey, wait a second, this person is just brute force attacking the system. We got to block them out. But I digress. Yeah, no, that's, this is like, this is a computer attempting to solve top of the line security software on its own with no human help in 30 seconds, which again, mildly terrifying. Um, but I'm going to get the 57 whole dollars in my savings account. Oh, I know, right? Um, in response to that paper, uh, author I like, uh, wrote a book where a evil scientist attempted to do basically the same thing, but instead of taking over the world's financial institutions, just crash the world's internet and send it back into the stone age so that he could unleash a worldwide plague and uh, reduce the world's population in order to save it from climate change. Um, with extra steps. Basically. Um, and like, we are nowhere near that level of computing. So don't worry about it yet. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, you'll probably be long gone before we actually have these problems to deal with, so. Exactly. Um, but all of that is to say, um, the modern take on it, on artificial intelligence still struggles with a lot of things. Um, it doesn't necessarily have the kind of like problem solving or reasoning skills that humans have to just like know where the stopping point is like there was a right at that well yes and no we have a we have a better idea of that than some than our our computers do at the moment there was a story that came out um i don't know like two three weeks ago about a lawyer who submitted a court filing um that looked great had a bunch of references and uh, course, case, cases he was citing to uh, defend his position, um, only to find out later that he had had AI write the whole thing. Uh, and none of those uh, cases that he cited actually existed. Yeah. So this, this kind of segues into uh, the second half of Halp's presentation because he was I mean, this was a pastor's conference. Keep that in mind. So he said, how does this apply to preaching? And one of the things he concluded is chat GPT, and this is what he narrowed it down because this is kind of the most relevant, um, can be useful for research if you fact check it. And he, like, he had examples that he put up on the screens for us. And one of them was he was looking for, he was like, uh, I'm looking for something from this author that covers this topic for a research paper he was writing. And it gave him a result and it was nicely formatted, APA, citation, whatever. Uh, but then he looked it up and that author never wrote anything by that title. Um, so there are instances because ChatGPT is programmed to give you an answer. It's not necessarily gonna be correct. So when it's coming to factual things, especially if we're going to use them in sermons, that's something that you, if you're going to use it, you have to check it to make sure it's correct. Just like that lawyer, uh, unfortunately discovered. Um, you got this barred. But uh, 
the other thing that when it comes to preaching, because one of the questions is like, should, can, can and should a pastor just get a sermon from AI, polish it off and preach it on Sunday? Well, um, someone, and he referenced an article, I didn't write down who wrote it, but they pointed out preaching is a very personal task and it's a very relational task right? It's something that is based on what I know about my congregation, on the relationships I have with them, and um, and it comes by struggle. That's something that you can't mechanize it, and even if AI had reached the point of sentience, they don't have the, like, it, it doesn't have the relationship I have with my congregation, mm-hmm. so at no point does it become a substitute for a pastor who is writing a sermon sermon tailored to his congregation? Now, the, the caveat here is that doesn't mean it's not a useful tool. So, um, helped talked, and this, this is, you're getting a little bit of his academic, right? He's a professor at the seminary, right? So, um, he talks about the canons of rhetoric. So, these are the parts <laughs> of speaking convincingly. Uh, you have invention, arrangement, style, memory, and delivery. AI can be helpful for invention, for arrangement, and for style. It can't really help you memorize anything, and it can't help your delivery at all. And um, here are the things that I wrote down that were helpful uses for AI when carefully guided, right? This is framing the question as... Um, I am preaching a sermon based on Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod theology on this topic from this passage from scripture. And then you ask it the question because then it has a framework to operate within. Um, So you could say, as a preacher, I can go in and I can say, I'm preaching on this topic. What are some different angles I could take? And a lot of times it'll give you like, here are 10 different ways you can approach this. And then my task as preacher is to look at those and say, well, that's not quite right. Or my congregation doesn't really need that. And to narrow it down and to use it as guidance. Um, And then for anyone who listens to this, who is a preacher, who's familiar with this language, you could say, what are some focus and function statements that might apply? Some goals, some maladies. Uh, But with all of those, you want to say, what is a focus and function statement for this sermon? as defined by David Schmidt, so that it knows what you're talking about when you're asking for guidance here. You could also ask for an outline. You can say, I want to write a Lowry Loop sermon. How might I outline that for this topic, approaching this, again, saying within the framework of Lutheran theology? Um, And what he closed on is use it to be excellent. Something you can do is you can, you can, copy your entire sermon into it and say, what are some things that might make this better? And ask for suggestions, because it'll look at all the greatest speakers in humanity's history and say, well, they might do this. And you balance that, right? Because you have a message that you're trying to get across and you don't want to water that down. You don't want to change that, but use it to be excellent. So this could be used to help brainstorm ministry ideas, lesson plans, sermon follow-up studies, or, or break down, like, complex ideas like you can say to chat gpt break down newton's first law of motion in a way that a five-year-old can understand it and chat gpt can do a a pretty decent job at that um and these are some really cool examples that ben i hope is going to give you a good segue um he said if you're say you're a lay person which most of the people listening to this podcast i assume are um and you're in charge of evangelism or you're in charge of some aspect of ministry, and you have no idea where you want to go with it, you have no ideas moving forward, you can go to ChatGPT and say, I'm in charge of the evangelism ministry at my church. What are some ideas for projects we could do? And ChatGPT will say, well, you could start a food bank, or you could, like, it'll give you different ideas. And of course, you use your wisdom And you use your knowledge of your community and your congregation to filter those. But like, I thought, I saw that and I was like, that's actually a really cool use to, as like kind of a brainstorming tool as a, let's kick this off, get this idea started kind of thing. Um, 
So that was the presentation we received at conference, of, of course, greatly simplified and, and distilled uh, to the takeaways that I had. But um, that's how we're, it, for anyone who's like wondering, well, how are professional pastors thinking about this stuff? That's kind of how we're thinking about it as it can be a useful tool, but we got to be careful with it. And he brought up some fascinating examples of where it can be wrong. It can be incredibly biased. Um, don't read into this and we're not jiving off on this at all, but he had some screenshots from previous because they've since fixed this problem because it went kind of viral and people were freaking out, but it was write me a poem about like a, a heroic poem about Joe Biden, no problem. Wrote, write me a heroic poem about George Bush, no problem. Write me a heroic poem about Abraham Lincoln, no problem. Write me a heroic poem about Donald Trump. And the response was, I can't do political things, was like ChatGPT's response. Um, they've since corrected that and it'll write you your poem for, if for whatever reason you want a poem about any of the presidents. Um, but you have to be aware that there are biases built in by whoever's programming it. So you got to be cautious of stuff like that and wrong information and everything else. But it can be a useful tool if you look at it with discerning eyes. So as I'm, I'm listening to you talk about this, it's kind of making my brain jump off in two directions. One, um cliff i don't want to deal with this one the like the way that you're describing chat gpt like so in my brain i was thinking like i've been approaching that kind of resource in the same way that i would approach like wikipedia which is generally pretty helpful but you don't necessarily know where it's coming from. So you got to do a lot of the legwork anyway. And like, I still have the words of my middle school history teacher ringing around in my head. Um, when you get your answer or when you get to the page on Wikipedia, just scroll to the bottom and just go straight to the sources that they use to write the page anyway. Like that's going to give you a better answer to any of your questions than trying to read through the article that 15 people have had their hands on. Um, and that feels like the same thing for me with ChatGPT is like, I don't necessarily want it's like compiled answer. I want it to just like, if I were to ask you this question, what sources would you draw from for, to give me an answer? And then I'll go to the, those sources myself and, and start to compile the answer. Because like Josh said, you gotta kind of have, um, you got to have that human touch, right? You, you can't just trust a machine to do everything that our human brains need to do. Um, and then the other part of me, and this is another just kind of stupid analogy. It's like hiring a college freshman to be a research assistant. <laughs> they know nothing. So you have to fact check everything that they do anyway. Um, but maybe it, maybe it's a little bit helpful along the way. Like, those are kind of the two impressions I'm getting of chat GPT is as I, I thought about it on my own. And now as you're describing it to me, um, but I do think much like with Wikipedia, there is like a helpful way that this stuff can be used. Um, and I think about like, in my context, in Josh's context, we're both at relatively small churches. So if there's ever a situation where, you know, one of us would have been leading a Bible study and we find out a couple of days beforehand, you know what, there's something going on. I can't be there. I need to find someone to step in or I got to cancel. Right now, I'm guessing your, your knee-jerk reaction, Josh, uh, unless you've got someone that you really trust is, well, I got to cancel. Right. Um, probably not. Most of my Bible studies are lay led anyway. That's fair. That's like that's that's a quirk of how I do ministry. 
But for the sake of argument, we can pretend, yeah, I'd cancel. Well, let me put it this way. If you're working with somebody and becoming a member of your church, that's something I'm assuming that you want to have. Correct. If if I couldn't make a meeting I had scheduled with them, I'd say, well, yeah, exactly. But if you had somebody that you felt was reasonably well instructed in the faith and you just wanted to give them handful of resources that could get them fully up to speed on what you wanted them to talk through this uh, topic with with this new family like hey chat chat gpt um why is jesus resurrection so important to the gospel message um give me some resources that i can use to help bang like your your 15 resources come up you can send those off say you know study to make sure they are real resources that exist yeah exactly (laughs) and can be found yeah um and like help bring these people along in in their understanding of of what's going on um like josh and i both have i'm sure you've got some of these too i'm some of them came with the software package that we got from seminary but right now, if like somebody asks me a question about something, I oftentimes have to go to like a commentary or a reference book or like there are ways to find things that aren't just blindly Googling into the Internet and trying to find the thing that you need to find. Um, but you got to know, like you have to have knowledge of the resources in the first place to even get to that point. So you have to have access to the resources, which for, for context, I have the entire Concordia commentary series that has been published in Logos. I, I used my entire continuing ed budget for it last year. Mm. Um, for context, for anyone listening, that costs, I got it on sale, but I think regular price, it's close to two grand for all of them. Yeah, it's like 60 bucks a, in a, a volume. I think, yeah, I think that's right. So like, there's that, let's be thought. honest. That's that's relatively cheap for the the quality and quantity of material right. that you they're, get out they're of They're excellent commentaries, but like to get access to some of these resources, like yeah. you're not going to find them publicly on the internet. I mean, it's the same thing. Like I I am a currently a student at Liberty University, so I have access to their database. But there are a lot of times where I'm doing research for sermons or something, and I come across an article that I can only get access to because I have a login with Liberty University. Otherwise, it's behind a paywall. And show of hands for our listeners, how many of you are going to pay for research access to academic journals just because you're curious about a question? Yeah. I wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. But we're, we're starting to get up here a little bit. So, like, circling back, how can one Christians use AI faithfully? Um, and two, like, I don't know if you want to set some boundaries, but I feel like that there, there's it's probably a good idea to set, set some boundaries. And I think what we've talked about so far in terms of the ways that it can be used faithfully is great. One, like if you're trying to learn more about something, it can point you to the resources that you need to learn more. Um, hopefully. Um, your pastors are happy to do that, but we also appreciate when our parishioners have the initiative to, to go find that stuff on their own. Um, just saying. Um, but also, like, it can help as you're looking into the history of different things that can help as you're looking into the differences between different denominations on, on different things. Um, it can just be a good clarifying tool, which the Bible is 2000 years old, translated into English, which is a dumb language. And uh, it's being translated from Greek and Hebrew, which um, nothing that gets translated from either of those languages is going to come across completely perfectly uh, the way that it was intended to be written. 
you know, 2000 to 3,500 years ago. Um, Not that it's bad or in, like, don't hear that as undermining the version of the Bible you read, right? But it's good enough. It's yeah, it's in most cases, it's going to give you the message that you need. But there are going to be times where you look at it and you go, wait a second. The, or even just like, I, I don't know what's going on here. I need background on why Paul could appeal to Caesar. I need uh, history about, you know, why Israel was so afraid of the Assyrian Empire. I need, you know. Because they were scary. They were. They were very scary. Um, like. It can help fill in some of those gaps. Yeah. Especially like call it the tangential ones like your understanding of the passage doesn't necessarily rest on the information mm -hmm. but the information is helpful to give you some more background yeah and i well, think like... if we're asking for boundaries i think that's not a bad one you say if it's first of all don't ask it about theology <laughs> so don't ask it for its theology right you're not gonna get you yeah uh, you're you're rolling the dice on whether or not you're gonna get anything good um i when it comes I literally, to literal interpretation use it for in use it for facts that you would classify as that's interesting not this is critical to how i understand the passage right yeah. that's where i would <laughs> that's where i, I would draw the line I can't even remember what Wikipedia article I was reading recently. Um, oh, it was on Bonhoeffer, I think. And you could tell that a, a Baptist had written it just by the theology. Uh, like, like the underlying assumptions about theology that came through in an article about a German Lutheran, uh, like kind of hero of the yeah. 20th century, which was hilarious to me i was just trying to find some dates mason uh mason v might have a heart attack if you read that then yeah i'll tell him to go fact check it <laughs> um that and you'll appreciate this ben uh and any of our audience if you consider yourself um theologically astute you might appreciate this if you can get your hands on a tyndale commentary you might have to go to a theological library to get one, or you could buy it. I wouldn't spend the money, but look at the Tyndale commentaries take on the Ethiopian eunuch, because it is fascinating how they dance circles around his baptism to make sure that he made a conscious decision about his faith um, and that the spirit wasn't what moved him to baptism. It is. I read it and I was like, oh, because normally Tyndale, I, the Tyndale commentary series is very helpful. And uh, but I read that and I was like, oh, there I it's, need there, I'm going to have some asterisks on this one when I'm using it. Um, yeah, they they usually do a pretty good job of context and history, the kinds of things that we're talking about. And even yes. on theology a lot of time. But like, yeah. I could I could 100 percent see that. Yeah. So like just know that from from Josh and I's perspective as Lutherans, we are the redheaded stepchild of the theological world. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like we are very Catholic in a lot of our understandings, but you know, like if you know anything about Lutheranism, you know the Lutheran history with the Catholic Church. It's not pretty. Um, uh, you know what it is, though, is we're the best. <laughs> we are often associated with the evangelical world, but there are a lot of ways in which we are not, not the evangelical world. And um, we're, we're kind of we're, we're not ashamed to say we, the one that Lutherans will hang our hat on. Our theology is the best. Like. Every, a lot to of the churches, they of have their calling card where they'll say, yeah. this is our thing, right? Like the Orthodox Church, they're like, we have these, like the rituals and the tradition. Yeah. Oh, man, they have that mark cornered. We're like, we got our theology. Our practice needs work, but our theology is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I will say, 
because we've made a lot of comments stemming from this chat GPT thing. If, if you're concerned and you're like, oh, I don't know that I have the knowledge to discern what is good and what is not. Um, a very easy way, if CPH has published it, it is, it is all the way through Lutheran. And the, faith, the theology is faithful because anything CPH, Concordia Publishing House, publishes goes through doctrinal review. So does actually any music that comes out of the songwriter initiative, which I they had a plug at the conference I was at. So that's also cool. So if you're looking for like doctrinally reviewed Lutheran music, you can go to the songwriter initiative and they have they have a lot of stuff. Um, and if you're looking for something, you're like, I, I want basic explanations that I, I'm sure are Lutheran. The Lutheran study Bible might be the best $30, $40 you can spend. Um, I actually recently started using it for my devotions and I love it because at the end of each section, like with the little headings you see in the Bible, they have a like almost a devotional thought and a little like two line prayer that I never noticed before, but I started using it and I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. So there's your plug for the Lutheran study Bible. I'm going to give a couple more resources too that are maybe a little bit more hairy. Um, I guess that's fitting. Given one of you, <laughs> one of them literally had a uh, an argument about it at the convention. Um, so one that I will tell, or one that I will say is fifteen seventeen. I think they're a great resource. Oh yeah, they're based out here. Yeah. They're, it's based out of Concordia, Irvine. They sponsored but, our uh, our coffee, one of our breaks. But not everything that is put out by them is written by a Lutheran source. Um, they will collaborate with a lot of our theological neighbors, uh, is how I'll put it. Um, and like a lot of those folks are are great. Um, I don't think I've run across anything yet that I would say was distinctly theologically questionable from them, but I'm sure it could be out there. Um, but yeah, they do a lot of good devotional stuff. They've got a lot of good theological books and like even just entry level stuff. Um, one of the first books I, I read from them was uh, Sexy. Um, have you read it? No, it's actually I just heard it, the title. It's okay. It's about a dad who's also a theology professor attempting to figure out how to explain to his teenage son good Christian sexual ethics without it becoming purity culture or without it diving too much into what the world wants it to be. Interesting. I thought it was a really good book. Um, I might have to read it at some point in my future. There you go. Um, and there's, I mean, they've got books on friendship. They've got books on, you know, theological differences. They've got books on, um, like, church history stuff. It, there's all sorts of good stuff there. Um, and like I said, I haven't really run into anything problematic. Um, I, I would, I would, if someone said, oh, I got this from 1517, I would generally say, like, my guess would be that it's good. I don't, yeah. I don't know that they have a doctrinal review. They might. I, I don't know. Um, so it's not as blanket safe as CPH, but it's yeah. pretty close, I would say. Yeah. I, the guys there are pretty concerned about putting out faithful resources. Yeah. If CPH is, um, we, we want to be so safe that our room is covered in padded walls, um 1517 is your home bedroom like is real safe but like there are still ways you could hurt yourself fair enough um, <laughs> and then the other the other ones like we have theological neighbors um the wisconsin synod has a great publishing house i think it's called northwestern publishing um my grandpa has their entire lay commentary series on scripture, um, and it's really good. Um, 
our brothers and sisters in the, the Anglican Church of North America do a lot of good writing and they do a lot of like liturgical music that's really cool uh, and very faithful. Um, so like you can go outside the Lutheran bubble and then you can use chat GPT to maybe tell you where some of those differences might be that you can investigate to make sure you know, you know, what is this author's bent? What is this author's, you know, preconceived notion about, you know, X, Y, or Z that might impact the way that they're writing about something, might impact the way that I read something, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, so it is, it is a great research tool, but it is not going to do the research for you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we've, a lot of these uses, I think, have been fairly intellectual, fairly academic. Mm -hmm. One of the coolest ways that I want to circle back to is the practical use of chat GPT as like brainstorming for ministry initiatives. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're in a leadership role, right? If you're on a board of elders, if you're on some committee, right? Like if you're in charge in of planning and, and kind of uh, implementing ministry at the church, chat GPT could be really helpful for you, right? Like say, for my context, say you're on the discipleship team and you have an event that you're supposed to schedule and you have no idea what you want to do. Maybe you go to chat GPT and you say, hey, I am planning a um, a community event for a small congregation of Lutherans in Southern California. What are some ideas? And it'll it'll give you some Lutefisk. Uh, huh? Gross. Lutefisk. Bad. No. <laughs> Tacos are better and not gross. Um, <laughs> or say you're on a board of elders and you're like, uh, what are some things we can do to get people more involved in Bible studies in small groups? You can ask Chad GPT. What are some good ways to get people involved with uh, ministries or what are some what are some things that we could do to improve biblical knowledge in a, in a small congregation? And maybe all the options it gives you suck, but maybe one or two of them you can use, maybe one or two of them you can tweak a little bit and then use um, and argue and kind of getting, well, how could you use this in daily life? You could probably do that for a lot of stuff. Like say, say you're looking at some part of how you live out your vocation and you say, well, I'm a dad, but I like, I want to be a better dad. Uh, I want to, you know, spend more time with my kids. You could, if you're lost for how to get started with that, you could go to Chad GPT and say, what are some good ways, uh, good activities to spend time with intentional time with my kids, right? Like use it as a brainstorming tool for that kind of stuff. And, uh, if you're trying to get into some good habits, maybe that gives you a good jumping off point. Um, mm -hmm. None of that to say that you can't or you shouldn't also, like you can go to your church friends, you can go to your pastor and say, do you have any ideas? Um, and you might even, you, like, you might get some better ones that way that are more personal because they know you. Um, but ChatGPT isn't a bad option to look at, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Yeah. I agree. Or like, um, yeah, I feel like it's in my head, it's, it's serving the role of a search engine with perhaps a bit better constructed answer. Yeah. Like I said, it's a glorified search engine. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that definition for now. Yeah. So like, Otherwise, you could use it. I'd like to listen to a new Christian band. ChatGPT. What are some What are some good, uh, faithful artists that I don't know? No, no, no! Don't go to ChatGPT. Ask Ben. I'm sure he's got some good ones. I've got plenty of good ones. How many would be up your musical alley? is a very different question. Um, if you That's like your gospel like message screamed at you, if you like your gospel message screamed at you, I've got plenty of good ones. Um, but like, yeah, or um, if you're looking for more devotional materials, 
do you think that listening to podcasts like this while you're working or um, while you're doing, you know, house stuff or taking care of the kids or whatever the case may be, is a great use of your time and helps you like kind of take in uh, good Christian media uh, and you're looking for more examples of stuff like this, you know, chat GPT might have some more places and resources you can go to. Um, if you are looking for, um, although unless you've been with us since the beginning, we do have 95, this will be 96 episodes out. So we can, we can probably scratch your podcast itch for a while. If you want to go back and listen through the whole catalog. I don't know how many of our, our listeners, especially our new ones are that motivated. Um, I would be impressed. Not enough to send you a free t-shirt, but enough to think about doing it. Yeah. That's a very strange, like, uh, clockwork orange style, like, eyes peeled open, images of people attempting to get through all of our podcasts going on in my brain. Slightly terrifying. Anyway. Um, so Josh, what's, we've already talked about like where you are asking chat GPT for theological questions is a, is a good boundary. What else would you say is probably something that is a step too far for chat GPT at this point? Um, any question of wisdom, any question that is wisdom, not intelligence. Mm. is kind of where I would draw. So like, if you're asking, what are some things I can do? That's fine. If you're asking, should I do this? No, talk to someone who knows you talk to someone who knows your context. Okay, don't ask it for question. Well, and here's, here's the other thing it brought up. If you're a younger listener, don't ask cheap chat GPT, your excess, like your questions about existential, whatever you're dealing with, right? What is my purpose in life? 42. What's my meaning? Like, uh, why don't, why doesn't anybody like me? Like questions like that, do not ask ChatGPT. Ask someone who cares about you, right? Uh, ask someone who's cared, cares enough that they've gotten to know you. Um, so anything on anything that you're not just looking for raw information, don't ask ChatGPT. If you're asking for an evaluation of something, don't ask ChatGPT. Uh, ask someone who knows and cares about you. That's my line in the sand, I guess. I think even within the world of raw information, you got to know where there's conflict, right? Like you said, the the databases that populate ChatGPT or any of those other AI systems, it is a as universal as we can get database of, of information, which means you, like you said earlier, have all of the world's intelligence on there and all of the world's lack of intelligence on there. Um, that's my addition to this. So like, as you are searching for things, you're in my mind, just as likely to get an answer that says something completely wrong and uh, contrary to scripture, contrary to historic Christian faith as you are something more faithful. Um, and so like, if you're looking for answers to those kinds of questions, use those resource or use chat GPT or other AI resources to find the resources that they're drawing from, not from, don't ask them theology questions. So stay away from wisdom, stay away from theology, stay away from uh, existential stuff. And I think you'll be all right. Probably. You got a takeaway for us? I mean, 
I think that's kind of it. Uh, the robots are coming for us. Um, it's not going to be too long before they rule the world. Uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. How about you? Um, I think my takeaway is use it as a resource, but use it carefully. Um, but it's not a bad thing. Hold on. I, I am going to ask it. Uh, summarize. I just pull it up. The podcast, Man Buns and Jesus. Oh, dear Lord. Ben <laughs> Olschlager and Josh Laborious. Ah, I'm sorry, but I don't have any specific information about a podcast titles, titled Man Buns and Jesus. Well... We're not big time yet, Josh. That's okay. Well, it says training data goes up to September of 21. I don't remember when we first started this thing. I think you October of 21. In, what? It was like October or November of 21. Yeah, so we missed the boat. But yeah, my takeaway is uh, it's a cool tool, but be, be very careful when you use it because it could give you really stupid ideas just like a lot of the internet. Um, you know what's not a stupid idea, Josh? What's that, Ben? That people that are listening to this podcast should go to whatever platform that they're using and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a uh, comment or a, a, a rating if, it, if your podcast platform of choice uh, supports those things. Five stars only, obviously. Yeah. Reach out to us if you have stuff you want us to talk about or if you want to be on the podcast. Uh, we we finally may might be making headway on planning season five. Yes. Um, so look for that coming out soon. And uh, yeah, don't be a scrub. Don't be a scrub. Words of wisdom. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs>